You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Good morning, New Life. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. I, I found somebody earlier, man. I was so excited I get to go to New Life this morning. I just woke up and said, I love coming to this church. Uh, as Brad said, my name is Blake. If we haven't had a chance to meet, man, I would look forward to the opportunity just to shake a hand and, and meet you out there after the service. Uh, one thing you need to know about me is uh, I'm a Jeep guy. Okay, I've been a Jeep guy. Yes, I've got another Jeep guy in there, uh, or Jeep lady, I'm sorry, uh, in the audience. Uh, I've been a Jeep guy longer than I've actually been a pastor. So I love Jeeps. And uh, one of the things I really love about the Jeep is in Michigan summer is taking the top off my Jeep and running around with that. Man, I just love the feel of the wind blowing through my hair. It is an amazing time. But uh, anyway, I love having my Jeep, uh, and I love taking the top of it. I want to take you back a couple years to the year 2020. It was actually the summer of COVID. Anybody remember that a couple years ago? Uh, well, I had the top off the Jeep. I was at my office, and I had a dentist appointment. And so I had to travel from one spot of Grand Rapids to the other spot. And uh, as I was traveling, that sun was just beating down on this bald head of mine. I got to the dentist's office, and as I went to the door, uh, I encountered what many of us encountered when we went to like a dentist or a doctor or a health professional. Uh, we had to do two things. One, we had to fill out this form. You remember this form? I haven't had COVID in the last 24 hours. My dog hasn't had COVID in the last 24 hours. I haven't met anybody with COVID in the last 24 hours. So you had to fill that out. And the other thing you had to do, if you remember correctly, you had to have one of these. Remember that? Temperature. How quickly we forget. We haven't had temperature checks in a while. But anyway, uh, I filled out the form, and I was sitting all good there, and the lady, the receptionist comes, and she hits me with the gun there. And as you can imagine, I was registering a little bit warm. And so she said, hey, why don't you just take a seat here? She says, I can go ahead in five minutes. I can take your temperature again, and then we can let you in. She goes, oh, and by the way, I can only take your temperature three times, and otherwise we're going to have to reschedule. So I said, oh, okay. So I, I sat down. I was kind of not outside. I was kind of not inside. I was in this vestibule area. And I sat down. And I waited five minutes. Sure enough, she comes back. She zaps me again. And I'm still reading hot. And she says, oh, you're still reading warm. She goes, uh, I can only read your temperature one more time. And then we're going to have to reschedule. Well, at this moment, I'm a little bit more hot, not because of the temperature. So I, I sit back down, I'm in this vestibule, and I'm in my chair there, and I feel like this cold air on my legs. And I look down, and there's an air conditioning vent right underneath my chair. <laughs> and in that moment, I had the single greatest idea I've ever had in my life. I spread my legs, <laughs> and I stuck my head on that air conditioning vent for five minutes. Sure enough, I hear that door open back up. She comes in. I lift my head up, and she zaps me with the temperature gun. She says, oh, now you're good. Why don't you follow me? So I stand up, and this is where the story gets a little fuzzy, okay? This is where it gets a little, little leery here. So I stood up, 
And I don't know if you've ever been on the twirl whirl over at Cedar Point or something along that, but the world decided to spin around on me. The next thing I know is I'm looking up, and there's four concerned faces looking down at me. One is the receptionist with a mask on. One is the doctor, my dentist, with a mask on. And two have the words EMT written on their hat when the man. Apparently, in my exuberance to get up, I fainted and I hit my head against the door and I was stuck between the two doors. So, what an awful thing. The worst part is I never did get to see the dentist that day. I was just, I had to reschedule anyways. So, if, if you're sitting there this morning, you're, you're, you're probably asking yourselves two questions. Uh, the first question is, is this idiot really a leader of our church, okay? And to that, I'm just going to say, I'm as surprised as you, okay? So they let me do it. Uh, the second question is, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Well, isn't it true in our lives that there's times when we want to control something, where we want to control a situation, and really what we need to do is just surrender control? Isn't there times in your life and in my life where we're at a thing and we're like, man, if I can just control this, I can make this happen. But in real life, we're not supposed to. We're actually supposed to surrender control. We're in the middle of a series called Soul Work right now, and uh, we're going through a bunch of spiritual disciplines that uh, just help us have a healthier soul. And so this morning, we're going to look at what it means to surrender control and to surrender it to God and live a life of, of, of submission to Him. And so uh, you're gonna, well, first we're going to look at a passage here. And this passage, you've probably heard it a million times. Uh, if you grew up in church, you probably know this passage. In fact, you could probably quote this passage. This is a really easy passage to read. It's a very hard passage to live out. So here's the passage. It comes from Proverbs uh, 3, verse 5, verse 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. The first part there, trust in the Lord with what part of your heart? It's all your heart. I don't know about you, but you know, I, I can give God maybe like a quarter of my heart or maybe a half of my heart, maybe three quarters of my heart, but trusting with him with all my heart, that's, that's a hard one to do, especially if you haven't submitted your life to Christ. It's like, man, do I, can I trust him? Is he worth to be in trust? But the, the, this is the hard part for me. As we look, if you pull that back up again, the second part there, it says, lean not on your own understanding. That's where I really struggle because I want control. I want to understand. I want to control the situation. I know sometimes my ways are better than God's ways. Is that anybody else in the room here? Does anybody else think they know better than God? Lean not on your own understanding, but lean on his understanding. And what's he going to do? He's going to make our paths straight. When I, when I lean on my own understanding, when I try to control things along me, my paths, if I look back on my life, my paths aren't straight. My paths are curvy like that. But when I trust in him and I lean on his understanding, he makes my path straight. Here's today's message. Here's, here's where it boils down to. We always have the power. We don't always have the power to control, but we do have the power to surrender. Let me say that one more time. You don't always have the power to control, but you do have the power to surrender. We're not always in control of everything, but we do have the power to surrender to God and to surrender to his, his ways. And so what I want to do right now is I want to take a look at control gone bad. Uh, when, control, when somebody takes control and things bad happen. Now, there's plenty of examples in the Bible, but I'm going to go all the way back to the front of the Bible there, to Genesis, and we're going to look at a story from Abraham and Sarah. 
And you may, they may say Abram and Sarai. God changed their name a little bit later. But if you remember correctly, at Abraham, uh, God came to Abraham. He didn't just, like, talk to Abraham. He actually showed up and came to Abraham. And he took him outside. Now, Abraham's an old man at this time. And God took him outside at night and took a look and said, look at all the stars and count them if you can. Those are going to be your descendants. But at the time, Abraham had no kids. And I mean, he's an old man at this time. And his wife's an old lady. And he's like, he starts laughing at God. But one thing he does do is he believes in God. And he believes that this promise will come true. And so let's take a look at the story here. This is Abraham and Sarah. This is before they had any kids. And so it's Genesis 16, 1 through 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can go jump to it. It's here on the screen for you. Uh, we're going to read it here. It says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Let's stop right there. I don't know how many of you guys have maidservants in your house here in Wayland or not, but I'm just going to tell you, this is probably not a great idea to go sleep with the maid, okay? So if you take anything away, don't sleep with the maid. Okay, let's jump into the back here. So here's another part. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. And so after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. I'll tell you what, that's, uh, that story reminds me of another story farther even into the Bible where somebody had a great idea and gave it to somebody else and said, hey, try this, and they did, okay? Sometimes you just have to think for yourselves here, but we have a couple of gentlemen here between both Abraham and Adam who, who jumped into some situations where they probably, if they had to do it over again, wouldn't do it. But if we take a look at this story, what happened here is Sarai took control of the situation. God had made a promise to Abraham and said, hey, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. But it wasn't in her time. It wasn't going as fast as she had. How many of you know that our timing is not God's timing? Anybody else know that? Yeah. I've lived that for a lot of years. My timing is not always his timing. And so Sarai was waiting and she was waiting, and she was waiting, and nothing happened. Nothing happened for 13 years. So she took matters into her own hands and gave her maidservant Hagar to, to Abram. Now, here's, here's an interesting fact that still how this control gone bad affects us to this day. So uh, Sarah, or Hagar had a son. His name was Ishmael. Out of Ishmael comes the Palestine nation. Out of the Palestine nation comes Muhammad. If you look over here, if Sarah or if Sarai would have waited, comes out of Sarai comes Isaac. Out of Isaac comes the Jewish nation. Out of the Jewish nation comes the king of the Jews, Jesus. And we look at the conflict today still between the Palestine nation and the Jewish nation, and it all started here. So control goes bad. What in your life are you trying to control right now? What in your life that are you trying to take a hold of? Maybe you're a single girl here this morning and, you know, you're waiting for Mr. Right. And you're looking for that Christian guy and you've got your standards up here. 
but he just doesn't seem to be coming along. So you know what? In the meantime, just any guy will do. Just any guy will do. How many of you know that's not going to work out, right? That is not going to work out, right? How many of us in here in our finances, right there, we trust God with so many things, but you know what? Not our wallet, not our money. You know, I, he can have this, he can have that, but he's not going to have my money. I'm going to control my money. How's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? How about in your marriage? How many know you can't control your spouse? I've been married for 35 years. I have not been able to control my spouse in 35 years. Some of you guys raising your hands there. <laughs> you cannot, but what you can do is you can surrender it to God. We can surrender it to God. And so on your seats this morning, you saw a little piece of three-by-five card and a pen there. And what I'm going to ask you to do right now is I'm going to ask you to write down one thing in your life that you are trying to control. Just one thing. Write it down. Write it down. Is it your marriage? Is it your health? Is it a relationship? Is it your finances? What is it that you are trying to control right now? Some of you are looking at me and you're not writing it down because you're saying, you know what, I'm not doing that stupid example. I'm going to remain in control. You know what? I'm, per- I'm talking to you today, okay? I'm talking to you. This message is for you. You're going to control it. Because what's at risk? What's at risk if we, don't, if we don't surrender control to God? Is it our health? Is it our finances? Or is it something more? Could it actually be our soul that's at risk? So as you write that down, I'm going to start asking three different questions to you. We're going to look at that. And I want you to take a look at that piece of paper and say, huh, where does this fit in? So the first question we're going to ask this morning is, is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? You write it down and you're looking at that. I'm trying to control this. And you're taking a look and saying, you know what? Is that really worth my concern? The older I get, the, the more I look back on life, I see that some of the things that I really wanted to control, the things that I was really worried about, they weren't all that important. They weren't all that important. Uh, the Richard Foster, who wrote the book uh, Spiritual Disciplines, where we're getting a lot of these messages from, where the books come from, uh, he had this to say. He says, frankly, most things in our lives are not nearly as important as we think they are. Our lives will not come to an end if this or that does not happen. That's a simple quote, but isn't it true? We, we make a big deal about things, and really, is it ours to control? Is it ours to be worried about? Let me give you an example from my, uh, from my perspective here uh, as the executive pastor. So each week, I'm at a different church, which I love. It just the variety is amazing. My wife, not so much. So you don't get to see my wife because she stays at one church. But I get to go to each different church. Now, when I come into each one of our collective churches, do you think that when I walk in the doors and I take a look around, there's not some things that I might want to change? I take a look at something and I go, hmm, I wouldn't do it that way. Or I walk into this and I go, probably not the best way to do that. And I look at something else and go like, oh, at that other church they do it this way. Do you think that happens when I come into a church? What would that do to the team every time I come into here and I just come in and say, hey, this is bad, this is bad, and this is bad? It would demoralize our team. And so I have to be smart. I have to be wise. What I do is I come in and I see the things that are going well. And I pour gas on that fire. And I say, you know what? Light that sucker up. Let's brighten that up, you know? Because I'll tell you what, part of the Zero Collective is we have a ton of young leaders. 
I'm like the old fart. I'll tell you what, I go into a staff meeting and I'm going like, I could be your dad. A lot of these guys. I go in. But we have a ton of leaders, and I'll tell you what, we have a ton of good leaders. And when I come into a church like here at New Life, and I see Brad, and I see Trent, and I see Josh, and I see Trish, and I go like, man, I'll tell you what, we got a great team. And can I just tell you, you guys are blessed. You guys are blessed with a great team. They are good. We have a choice. I have a choice as a leader. I have a choice as a leader. I can either have control or I can have growth. I can either have control or I can have growth. I can't have both. And so what I want to choose is I want to choose growth. I want to choose growth. So we invest in young leaders within the Zero Collective, and we empower them, and we help them. We give them the keys to the car before they're 16 and say, go ahead and drive it. You know, we do all the things. We give them some training. But you know what? I'll tell you what. Things go better when, we lo- when I loosen up my grip on things and I let go. Same in our marriage. You can't have intimacy and control. You can't have control and you can't have intimacy at the same time. It just doesn't work. You have to give up control in order to have intimacy. So let me bring it down a little bit farther. This is the saying, what, is it worth my concern? Is it really worth your concern how the dishwasher is stacked? I mean, literally, does it matter if the, if, the, if the handles go this way or that way? Is it the spoons, the forks, then the knives, or what is it in there? It doesn't matter, really. Is it really worth my concern? Is it really worth my concern if, you know, when my kids were younger, if they wore stripes and polka dots out to, to school that day? Is it really, are they not going to get into college because they wore stripes and polka dots? I mean, there was a day I remember sending my, my son off to school. He had rain boots on, a swimsuit, a tank top, and a cowboy hat. And it was like, you know, he off to school. It was fine. It's a little embarrassing now as he gets a little older and wears it, but, you know, it's still, it's fine. It's not worth my concern. How about for you? Uh, what is it? Is it worth your concern? My wife and I are in this uh, different stage of life right now where we have grandkids, and I'll tell you what, it's the best if you come to my house, uh, you walk in our front door, we have this giant pl- window that looks out over our backyard. And I'll tell you what, um, it's just a beautiful view. It's one of the peaceful things that I come home to and I get to see. On Thursdays and Fridays, my wife and I get to take care of our grandkids. And what a blessing that is. But let me tell you, what's the first thing you think they go to when they run into our house? <laughs> they run up, they stick their fingers on there, their mouth on there like that. I got fingerprints. Now, I could do one of two things. I could get really mad, and I could get angry, and I could say, stay away from that window. Or I could take a look at that window, and I say, boy, thank you, God, for four healthy grandkids. What a blessing. I choose to do the other. Is it really worth my concern? Second question we're going to ask ourselves, you take a look at that piece of paper, is, is this. Is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Uh, sometimes the answer is Yes. You take a look at that and you say, you know what, sometimes the answer is yes. How many of you know that God won't do everything for you? He gave you two hands. He gave you two feet. He gave you a great mind. He gave you something to do. Is it mine to control? Because there's a big difference. There's a huge difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. Let me say that one more time. There's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. Sometimes what I find is there's things that I just want to surrender, but really it is my responsibility to do it. God gave me a good mind. He gave me a good way of doing something. But if I just sit here and I go, you know, God's going to take care of it, and I don't do my part, 
then I'm not living up to the potential that God gave me. What is it in your life? Is it, uh, is it finances? Is it when you take a look at uh, your finances right now and you're saying, you know what, I'm just in this terrible spot. I sure hope God comes and helps me out. God gave you the opportunity to go get a second job. God gave you a good mind. God said maybe spend a little bit less on some things. Is it in your marriage? Is it in marriage? And you're saying like, oh, you know, I just said it. You can't control your spouse. But what can you do? You can get counseling. You can pray for your spouse. There's something that you can control in there. Is that it? Here's the touchy one. Is it in your weight? I get a little quiet when I say that. Is it your weight? Is it something you can control there? Maybe you're sitting here going like, God's just going to make me thin. That's the only way it's going to happen. God's going to make me thin. Can you work out? Can you eat right? Is it something like that? Is it something that you can control? Sometimes we've got to ask ourselves that question. Last question we're going to ask ourselves is this. Is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? Some things are just for Him. Maybe you wrote it down and you're like, there's nothing in this that I can do. And you're taking a look at it and you're saying, you know what, this is for Him. And there are those things. And those are the things we've got to surrender. We're going to look at this passage. This is probably one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. This is Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I underline the first part there. Do not be anxious about anything. How many of you are honest this week and say, I was anxious about something? Is there a lot of you. Can I be, I'm going to be just transparent with you. You know what I was anxious about? Getting up here. Yeah, this is intimidating. You get up here and talk in front of a bunch of people, it gets a little intimidating. And I do it all the time. But I still get anxious every week. I get to do it because it's a heavy responsibility to give here. Man, Brad comes up here and he just makes it look so natural, doesn't he? He just comes up and speaks and you think, man, the guy is just gifted speaker. And he is. I guarantee you there's times where Brad gets anxious. It's anxious about things. What are you anxious about? What are you anxious about? Here's a, here's a statistic I found just uh, earlier this week that uh, just it blew me away as I read this. It says, American adults have reported feeling emotionally overwhelmed and fatigued, with 87% agreeing that it feels like it's been a constant stream of crisis without a break over the last two years. Isn't that true? Isn't it been a constant crisis? You think about it. We just talked about the pandemic. And what about the election? What about the racial tensions? What about a war? What about gas prices? I mean, is that not enough to get you anxious about something? God calls us to some of these things. We're saying, you know what? I just got to lay it at your feet. What happens with me here? And I don't know if this is true with you, but this is what happens with me when I want to assume control of something. I get into this vicious, vicious cycle. And I, I drew it up in a graph here. Let me, let me kind of illustrate it here. You see up on the top there, it says control. When, when I want to control things, I, I control things, you know what? Sometimes I get afraid of losing control. And, and, the, and the more times I get afraid of losing control, the, the more I want to control things. And the more I want to control things, the more afraid I get of losing control. 
And that's the more I want to control. I, I get into this. Or anybody else find themselves in this? And when you get in, this is a debilitating. You just can't do anything. You're just stuck in there. So that's why this is so important this morning, where we say, you know what? I just got to surrender that control to God. Because you get caught up in that cycle of fear, and then you just can't do nothing. You're just stuck. Well, take a look at the second part of this, this, uh, this passage here uh, from Philippians 4, verse 6, 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. Prayer and petition. I'm, I'm going to just be, again, transparent with you. A lot of times, what I'll do is I try to fix it myself. I try to fix it myself. I don't always go to God first. I wish I did. I'm trying to get better at it as I get older, but I still find myself thinking of something like, oh, I can fix that, or I can do that, and I just want to assume control of it. But where God says, man, by prayer and petition, don't let prayer be your last resort. Let it be your first step of offense. Don't let it be your last resort. Let it be your first step of offense. When something happens, jump into prayer first. Last part of this verse here. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. There's a peace that comes from God that just you can't explain sometimes. When you, when you surrender over some things to him where you have no control over and you say, you know what, God, I'm just surrendering this to you, there's a peace that comes upon you. Have you ever met anybody that's going through just some terrible, terrible thing in their life and you meet them and they have a peace about them? Have you ever met somebody like that? I was at one of our other Zero Collective churches a couple weeks ago and uh, there was a friend of mine who came in and She's about young 40s. She has two kids, uh, her and her husband, and uh, she's going through breast cancer right now, and not just regular breast cancer, an aggressive form of breast cancer. And so they've got her on a lot of different drugs and chemo and radiation. She's come in. She came into church that day, uh, had a bandana on because she lost all of her hair, and she's hunched over a little bit, and I'm, just, I'm looking at her, and my heart's just breaking for her. I'm just going like, man, this is so unfair. Why has God got this going on in her life? Why is this happening? And so I go up to talk to her to encourage her, to encourage her. And she looks back at me, and she has this amazing smile on her face. And she says, it's all good, Blake. It's all good. She goes, I have never been as close to God as I have been in these last few months. Where does that come from? Where does that peace come from? That's the only peace that can come from God. I wasn't the encouragement to her. She was the encouragement to me, saying, wow, I need to live like that. I need to live like that. What is it in your life? You have that piece of paper there. Is it your health? Is it somebody else's health you're trying to control? Is it your kids? Are you trying to control your kids? Are you a helicopter parent hanging over them? Is that you? Is it a relationship that's strained? Sometimes there's certain things that only God can do. There's certain things that only He can have control over. So I want to take you back. I'm going to take you back 32 years to the year 1990. 1990, my wife and I have just been married for a few years, and we were expecting our first child. We were so excited. Uh, if you've been a parent and you uh, have the privilege of having a child, you know the excitement that comes from having your first kid. And so we had the date circled on the calendar, August 14, 1990. We were all pumped up about it. 
everything planning up to there. August 14 came, and August 14 went, and there was no baby. So, you know, as a guy that plans everything, that's what, that wasn't okay, okay? So I don't know what happened, but apparently that day just went by. So did August 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Finally, we're a week overdue, August 21. I'm out golfing because, you know, I've just got to do something, you know. So I'm out golfing on the golf course, but don't be afraid. I had my handy pager. It was the 90s. Remember pagers? Okay, I don't know where I was going to call from because there was no phone, but I had a pager that told me that I had a page. So anyway, uh, I'm out there. No call. Anyway, I, I come home, and uh, I see my wife, and my wife has the most concerned look on her face that I've ever seen in her life. And... Uh, and if you know my wife, which some of you do, um, she is the most even-keeled person in the world. Most even-keeled. I'm the one that goes up and down. She's the even-keeled. And so she has this concerned look on her face. And I say, what's up, hon? And she's like, I haven't felt any movement for the last day. And so that, that was scary. I said, hey, you know, let's go to the hospital. We're going to figure this out. So into the car, we drive right to the doctor's office there. Uh, I get in the doctor's office, they put a bunch of things on her, and then the sweetest sound in the world was the heartbeat of my little daughter just beating in there. So things were okay. We're excited about it. So they said, well, it's a week overdue. Let's go ahead and induce you to, for, for labor. And so we started the induction process, and that takes forever. Uh, but as each time my wife had a contraction, our baby's heart rate fell. And it's this weird thing. Every time the contraction went, the heart rate fell. Contraction, heart rate fell. And so the doctor was concerned and said, you know what, I don't think we're going to be able to continue on with this labor, so we're going to do a C-section. So they prepared my wife for a C-section. They're wheeling her into the, into the operating room. And as they're wheeling her into the operating room, uh, our baby's line went flat. And so, scary, right? So in that moment, uh, what seemed like a 1,000 people run into the, uh, into the, into the operating room, um, and I'll, I'll save you some of the gory details, but they immediately put my wife out. So they knock her out, they cut her open, uh, they pull out our baby, and I kid you not, I could literally almost see right through my child. And she was almost transparent. And so all I could say was, is she alive? And the doctor in every face in there turned over at me, and, the, uh, and he said, get him out of here now. And so somebody took me, and they sat me in a room. And my baby they were working on, and my wife was out, and I was alone in this room. It's the most alone I've ever felt in my life. I had no control over anything. And I wish I could tell you I was spiritually mature enough to just stop and pray. But I wasn't. I just sat there in that cycle of fear and just turned and turned. I didn't have control. I wanted control. I want more control. I'm afraid I want more control. I'm just in this cycle of fear. Finally, somebody came and got me, and they brought me to my, to my wife's room. Um, she had just been come to, and, and both of us didn't know what the status of our daughter was, and we just sat there, and no one would tell us anything. My wife, being the spiritually, spiritually mature one, said, let's pray. And do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts, will guard our minds in Christ Jesus. A few minutes later, a nurse came in, and then a doctor followed. We're expecting the worst news, but they said, our daughter is still alive. The next few hours are going to be critical. The next few days are going to be critical. The next few months are going to be critical. I'll, I'll fast forward 32 years. Remember those grandkids? Those are my daughters. We... I learned a valuable lesson of things I can't control that time. And I wish I could stand up here and tell you that, oh, for the rest of my life here, for the last few years, that, oh, I just surrender it all to God and it's all good. But that doesn't always work. But I'll tell you what, I learned a valuable lesson with that, of that I can trust him, that I can trust him, that he has things much better, that he'll make my path straight when I want to make them curvy. What is it that you're trying to control? What is it on your card there that you're saying, yeah, I want to control this. I want to control this. What are you trying to control that you need to surrender? Ask yourselves those questions, those three questions. Is it my concern? Is it mine to control? Or is it only for God? Is it only for God? 56 years on this earth, I've learned this. You don't always have the power to control, but you do have the power to surrender. And you do have the power to surrender. What do you need to surrender to God? Maybe for some of you today, you haven't surrendered your life to him. He's a God you can trust. Man, I would love the privilege of introducing you to Jesus if you don't know him. Trent would love to have the opportunity to introduce you. Josh, Trish, anybody on this team would love to introduce you. Prayer partners that are going to be up here after the service would love to introduce you to Jesus. What do you need to surrender today? May is God calling you to surrender that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for your truths that are so timeless that you can read them once and pass by them and then you can read them again and they have just a whole different meaning. Thank you for a God that uh, nothing is a surprise to that you are a God who is in control, even when it doesn't seem like it, when the world seems like it's spinning out of control, you still have it in control, that nothing passes through this earth and through this world without first going through your fingertips. We thank you for that. We thank you for a God that you are one we can trust in. And I pray right now, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here at New Life, Lord, that you would so move in their heart that if somebody this morning does not know you as their personal Savior, that they would lean in, Lord, and they would trust in you. I ask this in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.